Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we have a very, very special guest. Um, we have uh, someone near and dear to my heart. My oldest daughter, Esther, is with us. And she's not just my daughter. She's also my Harry Potter expert. She is our Potterverse super fan. I don't what what would what title do you prefer, Esther? I demolish you in Harry Potter trivia, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> we we do own a Harry Potter trivial pursuit game and I win every time. It's fantastic. <laughs> it doesn't go well for me. Or mommy. Or Sophia. Or, or anyone except JK Rowling. I think she could beat you at it, but probably no one else. <laughs> Well, Jamie, I'm seeing a trend here because apparently you're not doing too great with Trelawney time or the Harry Potter trivia. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Esther, it's great to have you on the show. And, yes, we uh, we love uh, our, our little friend Esther here. And we're so honored to get to uh, bring another guest into the uh, the nerds of the round table here. Knerds. We, we enjoy pulling up some, some seats. <laughs> So, They're the canards. So yeah, and and I'm glad we're discussing as you guys had already alluded to uh, a Harry Potter. Now there's what nine Potter movies to choose from. Now unlike I mean, there's, there's seven, seven books, and then there's two. Eight. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so eight. Yeah, okay. Well, and uh, then there's there's the two Fantastic Beasts movies as well. I don't sure. count those. Those are a different <laughs> series. I don't count those. <laughs> Thank you, Esther. Thank you. Uh, but you know, we and unlike our Star Wars uh, situation here, we kind of grabbed one in the middle. I think and it's probably one of my favorite ones in in the Harry Potter verse. A great movie, The Prisoner of Azkaban, two thousand four. Yeah, and um, it's kind of oh, since wow, we're in October. I um, I felt like this one had kind of a Halloween feel. And so I felt like it was a good fit for uh, first recording at this time of year. So well, you definitely have the creepiness with the Dementors. Oh well, yeah, and there's a werewolf. Freaky. Yep, werewolves, uh, all sorts of things. All right. Well, well you, know, you know, this is like you said, this is the third movie slash book in the series. You know, so you know, kind of getting into this idea of our thoughts about it, you know, this is really becoming a world that's very lived in now. And I think us as viewers or readers, you know, get, are in a very recognizable place. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of the things I didn't, I guess I'd forgotten is just oh, how, how much has been added in this one, in this book or in this movie, how, how much lore is kind of added that plays out down the line. Yeah, and and I, I felt like too. Um, I I knew that there was a director change now, um, from the because the first two movies were Chris Columbus movies, yeah. and this one had such a change in feel and tone. It felt like like a kind of a soft reboot. Um, I just kind of got that vibe from it, but I felt I felt like it was a good change in tone though. Now, was this the first movie with uh, the change of Dumbledore? Uh, Richard Harris's passing, uh, they had. Uh, found the actor Michael Gammon, which I thought really done a great job with the character. Took me a, it took me a movie to warm up to him, though. I wasn't sure at first. I really liked Richard Harris's Dumbledore, so yeah. it, that, that, took, that took a bit for me. Yeah, this movie is probably my favorite casting. Um, well, yeah, you throw Gary Oldman in it, and you're going to, I mean, you're doing it right. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Gary Oldman, uh, David Durellis, yeah, Timothy yeah. Spall, yes, excellent, excellent. So, you know, Esther, what's your uh, what's your uh, general thoughts of this movie? First off, here. Well, for starters, wait, am I allowed to spoil? Am I allowed to be a spoiler? This this is this is the non-spoiler section. Yeah. All right. Well, personally, I think that new magical creatures, and they didn't say. Wait, no, that's no. Can I? That's a book only thing. <laughs> yes, and we are specifically reviewing the movie and not the book. Yeah. Which means I could speak about things because I actually read these stuff. No, we're this is the non-spoiler section of the podcast, okay? We're going to spoil stuff like crazy in just a minute, okay? So big, big picture, what did you think about this movie as a movie? Well, I thought it was actually rather good. There wasn't really much bad things. Just a couple things left out, really. <laughs> yeah, this was the point where the book started to grow a little bit, and they were having to yeah. pick and choose what they... I can yeah. see them from where I am. They're not exactly <laughs> small. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, I thought this was one of the, I, for, I think maybe one of the two best Potter movies. I'm not sure how to rank them. This is one of my, my personal two favorites. I like this one and Order of the Phoenix are my two favorites, and I can't decide which one I like better. Um, but I, I do think it's a good change in tone from the Chris Columbus movies. I feel like as the kids were getting older and the story was getting darker, uh, yeah, the, he, he wasn't the right fit anymore. And so I think uh, Alfonso... Speaking about butchering things, uh, Coron, Coron. Wait, y'all talk about Dumbledore? Y'all talk about the Dumbledore people? Yeah, we did. Oh, I thought they were until Dumbledore died, and that's why he'd be replaced. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what. Yeah, yeah, the first guy, Richard Harris, passed away, and um. Hey, rest in peace. Okay, do you, do you want do you want to do grades now? Jump straight into sure. grades. Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, and roll around with grades. So uh, so Jamie, why don't you go ahead, uh, okay. uh, followed by Sam, and then Esther with your grades, and I'll end up last. Okay. Um, I'm going to go a, um, not all the way to a plus, not a, not a perfect movie. Um, but it's a very good movie. It's a lot of fun. Great performances, great direction, good tone. I like it a lot. Okay, great. Sam. Uh, you know, I'm going to go a also, you know, there, there's little things to me that, that keep it from bumping up to that next level for me. Uh, but when just looking at cast, looking at, like I said, what it adds to the story as far as starting to lay the foundations for the mysteries and the things that are revealed later. I think this is a part of really where you start building that a lot more. So I'll go A also. Okay. Esther, where, where would you place this uh, integrated? Well it, well, it appears that there's going to be a certain <laughs> chain of events here because I also have an A down for mine. Because once again... <laughs> You're missing a few things here, buddy. I understand you couldn't fit everything in there. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys as well. This is going to be uh, maybe not in our ring of honor, but maybe we need to start a top shelf of our Nerds of the Roundtable movies uh, <laughs> where we have all A's you know, instead of all A pluses. But yeah, I'm going to give this thing an A as well. It's, it's like Jamie said, it's probably one of my favorite Harry Potter movies uh, I, I have trouble when I watch this. I can't just watch one. It's like a lazy chip for me. I gotta watch another movie or two with <laughs> Um But yeah, so maybe we should start a top shelf for our nerds of the round table. Yeah, definitely. That one's on my second shelf, so. Yeah, second. There you go. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, let's take a small break and then come back with our pan and fan sections. 
Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. All right, and welcome back. And we're going to start off with a fan here. These are the things that we um, love, like, appreciate, uh, whatever uh, whatever category you want to fit these things in. Sammy, what what you, you get to you get to go first here. You get the top pick in the draft. What did All you right. like? Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay, you know, there's so much to like, and, and I mentioned about the cast, but I really wanted to throw out, not because this is his first appearance in the series, but just the character of Deadly Dursley, okay? So Harry Dursley? <laughs> yeah. So Harry Melling plays this character. You know, we, we've this is the third movie he's played him, but I just, I love the character. I love the actor because, one, he cracks me up, and two, he has a very famous grandfather. Anybody got any idea? No. His grandfather is Patrick Troughton, who was the second doctor in the that, wow. in the Doctor Who series. So uh, obviously he sticks out to me because of that. So that's one of my big fans with this is oh, just yeah. to see, you know, the the second doctor's lineage still acting, still creating these great characters. Sci-fi fantasy crossover, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I want to, I want to second that motion because I always watch him whenever he's in the background of a scene. He's always doing something. He's never just yeah. standing there. <laughs> uh, Dwayne, what, what's yours, pal? Um, well, uh, one of the biggest things I'm a fan of is the continued world building here and we've seen uh you know diagon alley we've seen the uh all of the great you know magic shops and hogwarts world the 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 train station the train uh, going there and then you see harry after the incident with the aunt he gets on the night bus you know and and this is a thing yeah it's just a bus (laughs) going around town picking up (laughs) wizards in trouble you know and uh you got this, you know, this crazy old man driving, talking to the shrunken head, take it away, Erd, you know, and uh, <laughs> just, uh, you know, just insanity, you know, and he says, uh, you know, where you, where you want to go? He said, you know, the leaky cauldron, that's in London. You're in Martin, that's in London. And just this whole world. And like we spoke about earlier, you know, as, as our teenagers, you know, or well, our characters are becoming teenagers. They're getting right a little here. bit older. They're getting a little bit darker. They're getting a little bit, you know, moodier. And that really shows, and it's really richly portrayed in here with the, with the, um, <laughs> I love the face, sister. Thank you. Um, I wish this was a video cast right now, but uh, <laughs> with the depth of the world building and the darkness with the dementors there. But yeah, they really excelled with world building. All right. Esther, what's your first fan for uh, Prisoner of Azkaban? Well, just Crookshanks. Crookshanks, just in general. The cat. <laughs> Was it Kadeed? I don't know. All right. Just the cat. He's amusing. Yeah. I actually have two more. Am I allowed to well, do those Well, hold on. Two? Now, right. hold on. We'll come back around. Yay. Uh, and I, um, for my fan, I, my first one, I wanted to talk about the, um, just highlight the, the vibe of the movie. Because it's my understanding that this director has a background in horror. 
And you can kind of feel that, like even the night bus, the scene where um, uh, Snuffles is, yeah, the grim and the way um, also, but like when, when he's waiting for the night bus and uh, Sirius kind of creeps out of the shadows I and mean, it's kind of got, got a horror vibe to it. And then the, um, and the scene around the Whomping Willow where uh, Lupin turns, uh, that whole scene, the way it chases him, chases the uh, Harry and Hermione through the woods, it's just that, that horror feel to it. I just, I love the vibe this director brought to this series. All right, Sammy, Sammy, you got another one? All right. Um, you know, I've talked about kind of adding to the world, and this one is near and dear to our show because this is really where we get Professor Trelawney. And she kind of kind of becomes the new professor. You know, I think each of these movies kind of introduces a new teacher at Hogwarts. What is Hagrid? Chopped liver? He's <laughs> not new. You know, He's a new professor. He's a new professor. I know. I know. Magic. I get you. But uh, so we get Trelawney, though, and, and Jane Seymour playing Professor Trelawney, you know, bringing that, that craziness. Is it Jane Seymour? Did I look at it wrong? Oh, it's Emma Thompson. Oh, Emma Thompson. I'm sorry. There, there I go again, giving wrong names. There are ourselves two Emmas on the cast roll, people. Yes. Sorry about that. So Emma Thompson. My apologies. I looked at that <laughs> wrong. So um, I know. I'm bad about this. Check out past episodes. So, <laughs> But just I loved her character. Uh, no matter who was in, that, in it, I loved the character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she was a lot of fun. Just how just you know baddie she was, and just not all there, and uh, and clearly a fraud. <laughs> I, I beg to differ. I am a huge Trelawney fan. Uh, I love the character, and I think she is. I mean, you know, she she delivers a prophecy. Well, she has you a know, moment she, or two. She has her moments. Well, I mean, you, you look at predictions throughout the, the ages. You know, you're not yeah. always you're not always on, quote unquote, you know. She's got uh, a pretty bad batting average. She's not oh, getting at her profit single A. Well, come on. We, we've all had those teachers that we know are just trying to uh, get to retirement. Come on. <laughs> well, anyway, but you're right. She's a great character, though. Yeah, yeah, she's a phenomenal character. Uh, another fan of mine through this movie is, um, you know, the it, it was just like Sam was saying, you know, the, the, the introduction of characters. I know, uh, you know, Trelawney is one of the characters, uh, teachers around the school that we're introduced to, you know, but we're also introduced to three extremely important characters in this uh, movie. I feel like I know who two of those are going to be named. Um, well, to, one of those is going to be named Gary Oldman, playing Sirius Black. Called it. Um, Harry Potter's godfather. <coughs> and then Professor Lupin. Called it. The new professor uh, of dark arts. <laughs> which Hogwarts seems to have issues with. And um, then we have, um, you know, Wormtongue, Timothy Spall. Flip him. Um, <laughs> you know, being introduced here, but he is a very critical character in this. Yeah, and you know, two of crucial my role. Favorite, yeah, two of my favorite actors, though uh, uh, David Thewlis and Gary Oldman, uh, reprising those roles, just made me a huge, a huge fan of this movie. Uh, Esther, you want to bring out another one or two of yours? Yeah, I could just slap them both down because they're not exactly long. All right, okay, so remember that opening choir bit they had with the mm -hmm, whole double, yeah. double, twelve and trouble bit. 
Yeah, well, I personally hold that song near and dear because one of my first Halloween song performances, whoop whoop. So, and they actually continued using that song in Lynn Moths over the course of the movie, which is pretty cool, actually. Nice. And the other one was, <clears throat> the other one was Hagrid's grief whenever he's told Buckbeak's going to be sentenced to death and have his head chopped off. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite believable. I just wish just... they showed the rest of that. Yeah, Hagrid is uh, Hagrid is all on screen. Everything you see, yeah, everything you see, he's all on screen. Uh, I know you said that the Double Double Toil and Trouble is one of your first performances, Esther. Did you actually perform that with a giant toad? No, but I was dressed as Hermione. (laughs) Okay, well, dressed as Hermione, great. She she was fully prepared for that. Awesome. I had a stuffed cat and everything. You know, with that song, you know, the the idea of something wicked this way comes, you know, that ties back to Ray Bradbury. And so I always I, like, I hear it is if it's a, you know, kind of a, a nod maybe to Bradbury and to maybe, the, you know, Bradbury is an author. So I always find that part interesting. Yeah. Well, the uh, the only other thing I wanted to highlight in the fan section um, was especially the relationship between Lupin and Harry. Um I just found that to be a really meaningful because Harry's got that big gap there in his life. Um, the, he doesn't have, I mean, he's, he had, you know, pe- uh, adults in his life, but they were not parents in any way, uh, shape or fashion. And so he had, he's got that, that, yeah, but yeah, they are not nice people. And I mean, almost any negative adjective you could use, they'll, they would fit. Morons, idiots, fools. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, that wasn't an invitation. Um, but he but he had that going. gap in his life of having a an older person to, to be a role model a mentor for him and the way lupin stepped into that role and the way that relationship played out throughout the movie i just found that to be really meaningful and powerful so i just wanted to highlight that cool yeah that's that's a really great one all right anybody else Sam, anything else um for you? just one more thing i'll i'll, I'll just kind of throw in and, and you know this is where we first see the marauders map and we're just given this little tidbit of Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. And it's not really touched on, you know, when, when he reads it, he's just kind of like, oh, okay. But then the fact that, that later on, this, it plays out in the story. You know, I just, I just, once again, to me, it's laying those breadcrumbs that eventually mean so much when we finally get to the the end of the saga as as it stands as far as year seven that one actually means the map actually means a bit more because in the books um it is actually said that that map was written by lupin sirius his father and wormtail mm-hmm. oh wow okay yeah no, and that just shows how, how that's really awesome just how, how rich the world building is yeah 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 that's great because of the world building and this is going to be my last uh, fan, but, you know, the Marauder's Map, the books, the way that, the, you know, the the creature's book is just trying to, you know, just jump everybody, and, and they can't figure it out. Uh, Stroke you know, is fine. Every, everywhere you look in the in the castle of, of Hogwarts, there's something happening. You know, there's the, – the paintings on the walls are all interacting. They're, you know, They're tired. around They're doing things. Yeah. It's just so rich uh, of world-building like stories are. 
this story bar. Now, uh, for such a beloved movie, uh, going straight A's here on its report card, um, we are going to our pan section. So mm. there's going to be some things that we're not quite as fond of. Not the pans, we're in the kitchen. And uh, <laughs> will we like to bring them out and bang on them every now and again and, uh, and, and, and bring to light some not so fun things in these movies? So uh, I know uh, I'm down here first to go uh, with the pan section. So one of the things I'm going to pan is the uh, the time turner was not very well explained. It was well utilized later on, but I would have liked to have seen a little foreshadow of that. I would like Plot to see device. A, yeah, I would have liked to have seen a small tease. That's then that's a very very minor one uh, for me. So. Esther, what do you have as a pan? I supposed to just list both of them, cause I'm probably gonna go on a rant here. No, no, just do, just do one this time. Mm. Well, <clears throat> can I just include both of them, please? I'm equally angry about I, both of them. No, just do one. You can you can be angry the second time around too. Mm. Well, I'm just gonna go in order then. <laughs> Lack of peeves. Can I have peeves, please? I want the poltergeist, please. Can we have him? He actually plays crucial roles later on. Can we just have him, please? It's not okay. too small of a wish here. Now, now, as a non-reader of this book, I've read some of the books. As a non-reader of this book, who can you tell me who Peeves is? Peeves is introduced as in the, ah, can't talk. Peeves introduced in the first book as a poltergeist who likes to play, like play prank <clears throat> words. <He> likes <laughs> to play pranks on pranks people. On people. Okay. okay. Um, later on in the books, when Fred and George disappear, he re <clears throat> at the request of them, he wrecks absolute havoc on Umbridge. Just oh, going, shit. driving her, going to as far as he can to make her as mad and angry and furious and insane as he possibly can. Even okay. the other teachers are helping him, uh, him out. Okay, yeah, and so if you wanted to... Him out of this book. Okay. Yeah, if you wanted to broaden that... Yeah, but if you want to broaden that out a little bit, it's not just Peeves. Like a lot of that, the castle stuff is missing. Um, there are very few ghosts. Like we don't see nearly Headless Nick. Oh, that's and right. Yeah. The Headless Hunt is just barely makes an appearance. I mean, there's not yeah. even the and even like the 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 ghosts in the paintings. We don't see much of them. We see the fa the fat lady has one great scene, but there's not much of them going on. Oh yeah, I yeah. remember the important scene he played in this book because I think he plays at least one important role in each of them. The mm -hmm. one he the important role that was played in this. That played in this book, because um, this scene accident showed up in the movie, was at some point Harry got caught with the map and it was being co confiscated. I think he was either trying to find it or trying to get it off of him. And Pease just proved a distraction. I believe this is, I believe it was this book. It was this one or the next one or the previous one. One of the one of the three books, second, third, or fourth. Yeah. One of them. Okay. Anyway, he made proved a distraction at the request of someone else so he could get out of there without getting in trouble. Okay, so Pease, all right. Sam, what's uh, what's something that you would pan about this movie? You know, and then no, this is kind of a hindsight type of thing. You know, I think the some of the CG work looks really good. Other parts don't. You know, I think the CG work on the hippogriff looks really good. And I think those scenes are viable. But I'm not a huge fan of the Lupin Werewolf CG. It really doesn't uh, look very good. 
you know, I know that they're going with more of a folklore style werewolf. You know, if you look at old tapestries and old medieval drawings of werewolves, it's kind of what it looks more like. I mean, it ties into the the whole British European type of you know setting for this. But but I guess I'm a, I'm I'm a little bit more of a um, howling kind of guy when it comes to my werewolves. Yeah, so. yeah. well, well I the age got... we grew up, that was that was critical. Yeah. yeah. I kind of got the feeling they were were going for like a um, you know, young adult, you know, junior varsity version of like an American Werewolf in London, right? Like, yeah. like the way they filmed the transformation, the way they showed the fingers and the jaw. I mean, it just yeah. kind of got that feel. So, um, I, I'm next on the list, and I think the I think the for me the biggest flaw in this movie is they they mess up one of the core things about the entire series. Um, the whole thing is about that, that, that trio at the center of it. It's about Ron, Hermione and Harry, all three of them. And Ron just gets lost in this movie. Um, there's not enough Ron. And this is Ron at his worst. He's just at his bland and his dumbest (laughs) in this movie. No, he barely makes any funny quips. Yeah. And, but, but this, but this series is at its best when the three of them are a functioning unit and he just gets shoved off to the side. Yeah, Ron does lose a lot of footing, uh, you know, in certain movies and scenes uh, to to Harry and Hermione. Um, another pain that I had was uh, the the scene at the end, the Dementors kiss, uh, especially when they're coming around, you know, with the time turner and Harry saying, you know, my dad's coming out of the corner here, my dad's coming off the side here. Um, I I didn't feel that was well executed. I. It did, it wasn't as much of a payoff for me as as it, as it could have been, and and, and and you know, and I know these are all personal things, uh, and I know it's for some people it's a very emotional scene, but I I did not feel that that was well executed. It's it's a more tense scene in the book. Um, I, I it, it doesn't feel as tense as it should in the movie. I, I I do think that scene could have been better executed. I agree with you. Uh, you know, I was going to say, especially with that one, though, you know, it's almost like instead of pulling in and letting us feel the emotion, they really wide angled it and pulled out. And I guess it was to show off the Dementors and, you know, that kind of thing. But I think it did lose its punch. Yeah. Okay. Esther, you said you had another one. Did you have another pan? Ramp part two. Let's do this. (laughs) Let's do this. (laughs) Well... They keep saying the Dementors are dangerous, but they never actually do anything to protect the kids from them. They say, they make them your enemy. Kind of hard. Never. They feed on your joy. What are you supposed to do? Just do something to keep them, the kids safe from them. You are in charge of their safety. Do something about it. <laughs> you yeah, have to that, keep chocolate yeah. in stations. Do something. <laughs> now, now you, you've brought the book a few times. Um, they do address that in the book, don't they? That is a clearer. Not really. Oh, re- okay. Ooh. Maybe I'm thinking of the next book then. Yeah, they more wary later on. Okay. Ooh, interesting. Especially after Harry gets attacked in the fifth book. Uh-huh. That's what I'm thinking of, because when, when it goes after Dudley, and they, they start addressing the Dementors differently then. That's what I'm yeah. thinking of. Yeah. All right. Uh, Sammy, did you have another pan? 
You know, I really don't. You know, I think that the biggest things, like I said, that drew me out was just a little bit of the kind of the, the CGI situations. Uh, there were also a couple scenes with scabbers that was really bad animatronics. Sometimes it was like a real rat, and sometimes it looked like a really bad carnival ride. Uh, you know, <laughs> house of horrors type of rat. Uh, so little things like that, I guess I paid yeah. really close attention to in this movie. Um, you know, those were kind of my big ones, I guess. So. Yeah, and uh, talking about scabbers, I'd, I'd never noticed before, but I noticed this time as I rewatched it. That that rat is a different size in almost okay. every yeah, scene you see it. Is. <laughs> you know, the yeah, so rat that's probably holding him with one hand. That's how he has to hold him with his arms. Yeah. <laughs> you know, on nine and three quarters, when it's really animatronic bad, uh, it looks huge. And yeah. then, <laughs> and then well, in what, other scenes, he's like this little teeny rat. Yeah. <laughs> like when, when Mrs. Weasley reaches Scabbers up to Ronald, he's like, she's handing him a beagle. It's huge. Oh, like, <laughs> you know the uh, the the set design. I'll I'll wrap up my uh, pans here with this. But you know the the designs, just like you were saying. You know the inconsistency with with the rat, the Dementors. I love the design of the Dementors. I think they look terrifying, but they were a little too close to the Nazgul the black riders in Lord of the Rings, I felt, you know, and, and it really coming out just a year after Lord of the Rings wrapped up with the big scenes yeah. with the Nazgul, they were really a little bit too similar to them. Um, but you know, there's very little, yeah, every, everything I've got in here is, you know, it's, it's picking nits. Uh, there's yeah. very little of this movie that I have gripes with, but you know, there's just those few small things. Yeah. That, that I, I I've got one last little, and like you said, we're just picking nits at this point. I've got one last little one. Um, it's you know the the whole like climax of the movie is about the you know it's sort of built off the tension of all the history between Snape and Sirius and Lupin, but we barely see Snape in this movie, and I feel like if there have been just a few more moments throughout the movie where we see more of Snape and especially more of Snape, you know expressing his hatred towards Sirius and having more tension with Lupin, that last scene in the cabin would have been a little bit more powerful. Yeah. So I guess yeah. you could say Snape got snubbed. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was all in editing and Snape got snipped. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, if we don't have any more pans here, uh, let's go ahead and get into our awards section after this Yee. short break. So here we go. And welcome back to the awards section. And I get the privilege of going first. And our first award, as always, is Best Performance. And I get the privilege of saying the right answer. Um, and then everybody gets to agree with me because there is a right <laughs> answer. Uh, Gary Oldman. Jamie, sounds like you have some uh, some uh, challenge there with, with your younger uh, We'll see. She's a, I love her. Even if she's wrong, I'll still love her. Um, Gary Oldman stole this movie. Um, this is his first appearance, and he stole the entire movie. Okay. 
I'm not going to disagree <laughs> that that's the right <laughs> answer. But I'm Sam, what what do you have? Uh, I'm going to echo exactly what Jamie said. Um, you know, we've talked before. Gary Oldman is the type of actor when he is on, he is a master. And he was on in this movie. Uh, you saw so much and so many different emotions and sides of Sirius. Uh, you know, the, the, the mad, you know, kind of unhinged looking character to, to the very almost, you almost pitied him when you saw the fear in his eyes with the Dementors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I really think Sirius Black would have to, you know, as far as Gary Oldman's portrayal of Sirius is really my favorite, my, the best performance to me. Okay. Esther, who would you give best performance to in this movie? Well, to begin with, my father's going to be very delighted I have this answer. <laughs> it would also be Sirius Black because he seems to really get into his role. Yeah. Really, really yeah. well. Excellent, excellent. Well, you know, I uh, I do agree. Yeah, Gary Oldman no does, <laughs> does chew up the scenery in nearly everything I've ever seen him in. He always consistently brings it, and he always devotes to the role. He is always such a chameleon. Good scenery, too, now. However, there is another character introduced in this movie uh, that I think the actor does an excellent job of just There are several people introduced in this movie. Very many. Does a great job of portraying... Uh, you know, this struggle that he has here. And uh, that's Gary Oldman's counterpart here, one of his best friends. It's David Thuellis. I love his, his role. Who was that? Um, he it was Lupin. He was a All professor right. at Lupin. So I'm going to take a slight curve and go David Thuellis. Yeah, I don't think that's crazy. He does a really good job here. He really yeah. does. And their interaction, I mean, in with him and Gary Oldman, you know, is so spot on. But even when he's talking to Harry on the bridge, when yeah. he's teaching them about the 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 boggarts, you know, uh, ridiculous and uh, you know, just the fun he has in the classroom, and then you see him kind of beat up after the encounter with uh, Buckbeak. There, uh, you know, trust me, I've looked worse. You know, he yeah. he really carries the scenes that he's in. I think he done a really powerful performance. I don't want to overlook him in the shadow of Oldman. True. Very true. Now, I, I would say as the series goes on, I, I think there is a movie or two where he actually outshines Oldman. I, yeah. I think probably Order of the Phoenix. Order of the Phoenix, he, he eats yeah. it up. He owns yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, so, go ahead, Jamie. Uh, our next one is Best Scene. Um, there are, so I was very certain I knew the right answer <laughs> on Best Performance. I am as equally uncertain on this one. Um, I, there's a lot of options here, um, yeah. and I don't think I would give anybody any grief over any answer. But uh, I picked two, so I mean, well, we're gonna make you choose one. So I don't want to. They're both oh. great. <laughs> well, as we can see, the cheating runs in the Fugit family. <laughs> but I'm I'm gonna go with the scene where um, Lupin chases the kids. It's right after he's transformed. And uh, I know Sammy didn't like the character design of the werewolf. I loved it because it's so different than what we usually get. And I like just the way it moved even was creepy. The way it would go from the, that weird two-legged walk to its four-legged right. lo- loping, you know, run. Mm-hmm. And and so when it chases the kids through the woods, that that whole scene, I just, 
it felt really tense and scary and almost like we had entered a different movie for about 10 minutes. I like it. Uh, Sam, what did you have for yours? All right. You know, I really love, you know, as far as my favorite scene probably is right at the end, the interaction between Harry and Remus, you know, as Remus is packing to leave. Um, I love that interaction just because the, and, and I'm telegraphing here, just because Remus is a character, you know, and, and how much I like this character. Okay. Um, and as a teacher, how Harry is just keeps talking about, you know, none of this has made a difference because he feels like he's failed. He didn't capture Peter, you know, Peter Pettigrew the way that, that he wanted to help avenge his parents and all this kind of thing. And, and Lupin just tells him, you know, you made a difference. You helped discover the truth. You saved an innocent man. And that, that teacher in Lupin who's trying to help the student see the good, even though maybe that he didn't get exactly where he wanted to get and achieve what he wanted to achieve, he's made progress. He's still a good person. And I love that interaction between those two. Entirely. Uh, Esther? What was your best scene? All right, I'm going to take a dramatic moment to not use those. I say no to your drama. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I had a tie, but this one barely went over the other one I had. Okay. Which would be the original classroom boggard scene. Because we flip-flop from funny stuff with the whole spider skates bit and the snake trunks <laughs> thing. And then we have this Dementor Harry thing, and it's just, yeah. whoa. The second favorite I had, because I'm a Sam both anyway, <laughs> would be this whole Hermione soccer Draco in the face, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> that that was so deserved that I might yeah. even give you grief about cheating. No. It was, it was worth seeing Draco, Draco punch in the face. Yes. Okay. My favorite scene is not really current to the story. It's But it is so awesome and over the top and out there i love quidditch i love the establishment how they explain it how they do it when you have quidditch (laughs) in this crazy thunderstorm it's not spaceships but things are flying in the air (laughs) (laughs) and Dwayne, i do want to say that i'm really proud of you for staying on brand there and choosing they're not ships but there are things flying in space people flying yes And, uh, being launched into space. <laughs> so let's 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 reverse our order now. And our next one is this is one of our staples. Um, best quote, Dwayne. What do you got for best quote? Best quote. I love this quote, and it harkens back to something we've discussed quite uh, a lot in this episode: is the Marauders map. I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. <laughs> I love that quote. I have it on a T-shirt. I say it way too often, but it's probably the truth. <laughs> All right. Uh, Esther, what's yours? Best quote. Once again, I say flip your overgeneralized same ones. I picked the running gag of when did she get here from Ron? <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was good. That was good. Yeah. All right. So I guess I'm going Hermione also. Uh, I love the quote when she goes, is that really what my hair looks like from the back? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
And haven't we all done that? Hey, uh, that, that that's when I first discovered I was getting pretty thin as I saw a picture of my uh, hair from the back. Oh, yes. Spoiler to everyone here. I'm the only one with a full head of hair. Yep. <laughs> well, we, we've made bald jokes before your, uh, your gay star appearance here. So. Yeah, but I actually oh, yeah. have hair long enough to go down to my chin. We are uh, well aware. I've got hair uh, on my chin. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to go in a different direction here. Um, it's the beg- early in the movie. Dumbledore is sort I of explaining the uh, the presence of the Dementors, mm-hmm. and so um, I'm going to read the whole quote because the, the it's really the last line that really hits me. The but you need to kind of you need the the context. So he says a word of caution: Dementors are vicious creatures. They will not distinguish between the one they hunt and the one who gets in their way. Therefore, I must warn each and every one of you to give them no reason to harm you. It's George not in the nature. Point. It's not in the nature of a Dementor to be forgiving. And the, here, here's the part that gets me that that I found really sort of emotionally powerful. He says, "But you know, happiness can be found even in the darkest of times, when one only remembers to turn on the light." Uh, yeah, it's the just, most famous Dumbledore quotes. Yeah, that one just kind of resonates with me, and I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful speech at the beginning. It really lays a lot out for this uh, for this uh, movie. Explains a lot right up front. Um, now, um, next up is our favorite character, and I love that we have a favorite character. And uh, I'm going to stay on brand with uh, oh, some no. of our folks here, and I'm going to pull two because I cannot decide <laughs> who is my favorite. Oh, well, look, character. I'm not the only cheater. <laughs> first first and foremost throughout the entire series i love alan rickman uh, as snape yeah i love just his creepiness his his evilness his we find out is actually you know not what we think he is and also kind of a side i know these are harry potter but I love the portrayal of Hagrid by Robbie Coltrane. Hagrid, uh, and I'm glad he's in every movie. Uh, he is such a beloved character of mine. Yeah, I think this movie could have used a few more minutes of Hagrid, too. But yeah. uh, uh, Esther, who's your favorite character? All right, remember when you asked Gloria about my favorite character possibly being Lupin? Guess who was right? <laughs> I know you're probably joking, but hey, you the future Javonli? Perhaps. <laughs> All right, so, Sammy, who do you have? You know, um, it, it's for me. It's also Lupin, and I know I kind of telegraphed that. Um, you know, serious as far as that was best performance, but my favorite character is Lupin. Uh, I just think he comes across so genuine. And he is such a conflicted character. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, it, it's one of those things. And, and I love this about a lot of times in the portrayal of a werewolf character is they can't help what they are. And I love when an actor brings that out. It's not just about the beast and what the beast can do. It's the human who, who can't help what happens. And I think that's that dark part to a lot of us. I think psychologically, and I think that's what makes those characters interesting. And to me, that's what makes Lupin, you know, really stand out to me. And yeah. I, we're gonna go. We're, we're gonna, you know, aside from Dwayne, we're going three for three on this one. So we're gonna finish off strong. I love Favorite Lupin, one. and I I love 
the, the I think my favorite aspect, especially in this movie, is that even in the fun moments, like with the with the Bogart and the lighthearted moments, there's still this melancholy that that actor manages to maintain, even in the light moments. There's still that undercurrent of his melancholy because of what he is, what he can't help being. Yeah. And I just love that aspect of this character. Yeah. That's great. Lupin's a great character. Uh, next up, we have best use of magic. Best use of magic. And I really wrestled with this one because I didn't know if it was a use of magic or a charm or an enchantment, but I love the Marauder's Map. I love the Marauder's Map. So that is mine. I'm going to let you... I'm not going to argue with you counting that because that was my pick too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me go ahead and mark that down. <laughs> okay, so Esther, what is your favorite? The Patronus at the end. Harry's okay, Patronus. the Patronus. Yes, uh, Harry's, yes. Harry's Patronus. Yes, that was uh, that was very powerful. Gotta look, wait for that to sink in. <laughs> I mean, what was your best use of magic? You know, uh, probably, and, and to um, reiterate something that that Esther said earlier, I love the Kanatmus. Uh, I just I love <laughs> the way that that it moves in between the other everything going on in the in the Muggle world, and I just I love that that use of magic with with that bus alone i mean there's just so many great moments that crack me up every time i watch it hey sam you old lady at 12 o'clock yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite little bit and it is a countdown 12 o'clock <laughs> oh right. two and three quarters <laughs> yeah <laughs> And so our last award for this this one is another one of our episode-specific ones. It's for Best Magical Creature. And I'm going to give a weird one here. I don't. They're not warm and cuddly, and I don't ever want to meet one. And Dwayne already voted no on this one earlier in his discussion, but I love the Dementors. I just think they're so creepy. And the way they interact with humans is just so weird. Uh, I... I just find them fascinating, even if they look like the Black Riders. <laughs> <laughs> Sam? Um, you know, with me, I think my favorite magical creature is the Boggart. Um, and I love the fact that, especially when you start looking into, you know, there, there's a, the Boggart itself actually goes back to English folklore. And it's the same thing as the Boogeyman. And it's that idea that it takes the form of what you're scared of. And when you think about, you know, every child's boogeyman, it's different, you know, and, and the boggart is that same way. And so I love that. Like I said, that bit of European folklore that's brought into this uh, in the boggart. And it does give us lots of humor, like Esther said, the spider with hey. roller skates and, you know, all those types of Snape things. Dressed as a granny. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, that was great. But uh, yeah, so mine is definitely the Boggart. Okay. Esther, what would you have for us? Guess who's tying again? <laughs> okay, but the clear favorite I have one would be the Hippogriffs. Because just the idea of them, a bird mashed up with the horse, but not a Pegasus. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that they have, they have pride, they're the center of pride. Take that. And 
So, and it's another creature that hurt Malfoy. So that's, I that's, know. that's, a, that's, that's a real plus. Good job, the character. All right. Number two, take Whip. that, hypocrite. I still go. <laughs> anyway, the other one would be the Canids, which is a species of Crookshanks. Yes, this is the thing I'm going to keep doing. Canids. Canites, canards, deal with it. <laughs> anyway, the Canids are said to be incredibly intelligent, but also cats. I mean, so Crookshanks isn't a cat? It's a species of magical cats. I didn't know that it was a different kind of cat. Was not, there was a different thing going on there. Cats are also Canids. Oh, I hmm, did not okay. know that. Well, that's interesting. I'm well, you know, butchering that word, but okay. Sam, I really, uh, I really did enjoy the Boggarts. I thought they were really neat. And uh, one of my uh, struggles with Best Quote was the conversation that Lupin was having with Harry about, you know, him fearing fear and not, you know, a specific thing. But I'm going to go with uh, Esther and the Hippogriff. I love the design of that thing. The, uh, the, the bird, horse, tiger, lion, whatever it was, was uh, beautifully yeah! executed. Beautifully executed. <laughs> okay, well, that wraps up our awards. That wraps up uh, our awards there. Next on the list is the most important thing here to us, as Esther is saying, the Canards, our Keanu connection. So all of this magical wonder of Harry Potter has to link up to the magical wonder of one Keanu Reeves. Somehow, somewhere. Jamie, what have you found for us? Well, um, I'd normally try to play it a little coy with who, like the name of the person who's the Keanu connection this time. Um, I'm not going to do that this time. It's Emma Thompson. and But it's the connection itself that I'm going to be a little coy with. Uh, Emma Thompson has had a pretty mind-blowing career. Um, she's been in, um, really kind of lighthearted fun movies. She was in a men in black movie. Um, she was Nanny McPhee. Um, she was not Jane Seymour in a lot of movies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think you killed him. I explained um, to Dwayne, this has been a problem for many years for me, messing those two actresses up. So, um, she's been in a lot of romantic comedies. Um, she's done a lot of different stuff. Um, but a recurring theme throughout her filmography is like every couple of years, she does some Shakespeare. Um, and in 1993, she was in Much Ado About Nothing, um, which has a lot of people who are famous for being in Shakespeare things. Kenneth Branagh's in that. There's a lot of those people that you expect to see in Shakespeare. Except Keanu was plucked down in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> He was in there? Yes, Keanu Reeves is in Much To Do About Nothing with Emma Thompson. That's so what wow. to watch. <laughs> yes. And with this being 93, this comes fresh off the heels of Bill and Ted. Yeah, this is very young Keanu. Yeah. So he is definitely going to be Thou Sayest, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So Emma Thompson from Much Ado About Nothing, 1993, starring alongside of our beloved Keanu. All right. Now, reach for this. Keanu Reeves. She also does a lot of um, those period piece ones, like um, a yeah. lot of uh, like, um, Jane Austen type stuff, too. Yeah, Victoria. Didn't she do a little women? 
at one point. I keep she did thinking, Sense of Sensibility. Okay, yeah. Uh, she, she's done quite a few of those as well. Yeah, great. Well, next up, we would like to pitch something to our fellow nerds and our audience in our Keeping It 100 <laughs> section. Uh, so we're going to give each other 100 seconds to sell something to the others. So, Jamie, hopefully uh, you've got something lined up first here. Are you ready to go? I am ready. I won't need all 100 seconds. Okay, um, my keeping it 100 for this for this week is uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Um, I've rewatched it again this week, and it knocks my socks off every time. It is not deep. It is not uh, meaningful. It's not going to change your life. It's not going to change the way you look at the world. But you will be incredibly entertained with bonkers nonsense for two full hours. It's one of the most entertaining movies I watch, and I will rewatch it every couple of months. It's amazing. Mad Max Fury Road. Watch it again. Well, that didn't even take 40 seconds. Why well, I assume most folks have seen that. I just want everybody yeah, to watch it again. Well, and, and if you're going for a Mad Max, you're going to know what you're going for. Yeah, Mad Max I, Fury Road. I sicken that emotion. I I forget how much, like, really how crazy it is. <laughs> then I go back and I'm like, oh yeah, there is a guy with with a guitar on the front of the war rig. <laughs> That's just a stack of speakers, and his guitar is a flamethrower. <laughs> yes, this is true. That's heavy metal. <laughs> heavy metal, baby. So yeah. Sam, are you ready, my friend? All right, I am ready. Okay, so very similar to Jamie, my pick isn't this heartwarming, moving type of thing. It is Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans. So uh, this is the new animated direct um, to kind of release DC event. Uh, And what I love about this is this is exactly what fans have been clamoring about. Which, you know, oh, Teen Titans go ruin the original Teen Titans animated. Now we're mashing them together and very Beyonder Secret Wars style. They have to fight to save their worlds and the universe. But the best part is these are the same actors playing both parts. <laughs> you know, Perry Payton and Tara Strong and all of them that were in the original Teen Titans animated from 2003 voice the Teen Titans Go characters. So to have them switch back and forth, it's just, it's so hilarious. Um, so it does have heart. It has Robin's baby hands. So we gotta love it. So uh, Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans. Check it out. And Sam stayed on brand with the DC. That's right. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Okay, Esther, you being our guest are going to uh, have the opportunity. Uh, uh, as we were informed earlier, you have something locked and loaded. So. Yay! Okay, I declare flip you to both your movies and your DC. I pick a <laughs> book series or three because they're all the same book series but different chunks. I picked myself Wings of Fire, which is like 12 books at this point. I own 10, or no, not 10, 8, 8 or 9. They're all very good. I think it'll be worth mentioning because Fantasy and Dragons 
Also, apparently humans can easily be eaten, and this is when, <laughs> yeah, we they, oh yeah, humans are brutally taken out in these books. Like we get our heads stabbed in the stabbed in the chest. It's oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> anyway, so basically, it's a bunch of these. The first book series of five books, it's a bunch of these. Okay, the books themselves revolve around specific prophecies. The first one was a hoax. The second one is actually real. The first one is a spoilers. <laughs> the first five books are about play, tsunami, glory, and other people. There's Sunny Starlight. and the Night. Starlight, yes, him. <clears throat> Basically trying to stop the war and pick the queen. No. That one was fake. Do note this. <laughs> so no. Okay. Yeah, they will dismiss Red Wings as horrible creatures. Or at least lazy, not horrible <laughs> creatures. And people actually think Nightwing's have powers at that point, so... <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, good job, Esther, and you've actually taken me a full 100 seconds to <laughs> tell us about that series. It is... That's I mean, when you, when you introduce dragons, you see we're not the top of the food chain. That were actually quite low, uh, you know, uh, after lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my! Oh my! Oh yeah, I believe we're actually part two. Right? <laughs> and I and I and I and I will say, she had me read uh, that first series, that uh, five, first five books, and uh, as far as middle grade stuff goes, they're very entertaining. Oh great! I can't give you the next one. The second book is all. No, more. you 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 used your hundred seconds. Your time's up. So the Wings you know, of Fire <laughs> book series. I'm related to the same house as you. I can force you anyway. Well, we can hang up the phone and uh, the Skype call, and you can tell me all you want. No, I'm gonna make. Dwayne, Dwayne, okay. you start your hundred seconds. Please. All right, my uh, my uh, <laughs> recommendation is going to be something I had kind of overlooked in the past, something that I really didn't think would be all that good. Much to my dismay, I found myself enjoying it very much. I'm going to jump on Sam's brand of DC. Uh, kind of off from me, but Superman Returns uh, with Brandon Routh, Kevin Spacey, was a very enjoyable watch, a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Now, it's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination, and I think a lot of people were confused with where this was placed in the timeline, which was a big struggle with, with me with it. But um, I'm just going to leave it kind of there. I, I really enjoyed this this visit to Superman. We may have to review that at some point then, because I don't second your motion. I, I don't second your motion very strongly. Okay, well, and and this may and this may very well turn into another uh, Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets type of review when I recommended it strongly to you and then watched it again. And realized, oh, there are plot holes here you could fly the space shuttle through. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. Well, you know, and, and we've, we've said as far as Brandon Routh as Superman, you know, he's getting a second shot at it as Kingdom Come Superman. So we'll have to see how Crisis on Infinite Earths goes uh, well, with you know, the that CW was a, Earth. That was a criti criticism of mine for stuff like, well, he's just playing, you know, uh, Christopher Reeves. But when you look at it, it's placed in between, you know, what, Superman 1 and 2, is it? 
or well, it kind of deletes three and four. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you know it. He, he he does a great job. He does a great job there. So that is wrapping up our episode uh, of our review of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. We hope you guys have enjoyed uh, our pans, fans, and all of our awards and recommendations there. Um, upcoming, uh, our next review episode will be the last movie in our Star Wars year leading up to the rise of skywalker uh the last yeah this will be the last movie Uh, we still have the holiday special to delve into Uh, i don't know if you could qualify Uh, that as a movie mr maynard you forced me to watch that (laughs) even uh, or even kind of a tv special but it is what it is but this is our last movie before (laughs) the rise of skywalker in december and uh, yeah, so I'm uh, looking very much forward to diving into the Last Jedi again and dissecting this thing a little bit with some critical eyes. All right, and uh, feel free to shoot us an email at roundtablenerds at gmail.com. Nerds. That, that is nerds with the K. <clears throat> yes. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at uh, Nerds of the Roundtable Podcast. Nerds. <laughs> with a K, as Esther is so eloquently uh, pointing out there. And uh, so nerds is how it's spelled. <laughs> but it's uh, on Twitter, it's at nerds2. Um, tw- Twitter handles are fun to try to get these days. You've got to get creative. Yeah. Um, and uh, I would especially, I would encourage you to follow us on the, the Facebook group. Um, that's a pretty active little community there. Um, and it's just on Little. <clears throat> Hey, be nice. We're, We're trying. I'm here and I'm a teenager. What did you expect? <laughs> angst, angst. That's what we wanted. Angst yeah. didn't go. Edgy. And, and I was reminded this week about the um, the uh, the algorithm on uh, Apple Podcasts. That really is. I was, you know, it was reaffirmed to me that we need folks to not not just download but also to subscribe. And if you can subscribe and rate, that that really does sort of you know help people find us. On, yes, on Apple Podcasts. Go do that now. So, so if you can subscribe, rate, and review, that uh, that would really help the podcast out. Go do that. <laughs> All right, and so we're gonna we're gonna check out today, and in honor of Esther's um, uh, repeated uh, request, I'm gonna say it differently this time. Yay! Keep it nerdy. <laughs>